This episode is sponsored by the Nuisance Committee. Stay tuned after the episode for a special message about the 2016 election. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Super Top Podcast. I'm Padraig in Vancouver. And I'm Oisin in Killarney, Ireland. Killarney? Killarney. <laughs> that word sounds very strange right now. <laughs> so you're back in Ireland anyway. Uh, yeah, I arrived back at the weekend and I'm at the Ull Conference, which has been on for the past couple of days here in the Europe Hotel just outside Killarney, County Kerry. Oh, nice. It's been a few months since I've been in Ireland and Ull actually seems to often be the thing that gets me back here. Yeah, last time I returned to Ireland, it was around Ull time as well. Yeah, we missed you this time. Yeah, I'll have to come next time. Well, five months time. There's another one. Five months. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, Ull was slightly later in the in the season this year because um, one of the organisers, Paul Campbell, um, he and his wife had a baby, I think, around the time that Ull usually was. So Ull is six months later than usual this year. Um, they wanted to get back on the April schedule. And so I thought that they might go like 18 months again, but they've, they're going to do it in, in just a little bit over five months to get back on the April schedule. Okay, wow. So they'll be starting sales tomorrow, I guess. I think they're on sale right now. ie. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a quick turnaround to have another conference. But after the past few days, it's I'm I'm happy that it's ne- that there will be a new 2017 and they're not going to wait 18 months to just to get back on schedule. Mm, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll make it over this time. Cool. Maybe I'll still be here or maybe I'll be coming back. <laughs> uh, yeah, how was it this year? You've been every year? Yeah, this is my fifth Ool. Okay, wow. Ool has always like done this. They've always done this thing where they experiment with the format every couple of years. They started in Dublin with kind of a maybe more traditional conference, like with speakers on a stage. Um, Killarney, they moved to Killarney, two, I guess, two and a half years ago at this stage, and they introduced this idea of feature presentations uh, which are instead of somebody standing on a stage, they have a room um, and there's multiple rooms around the venue where people have set up exhibits or I guess it's it's hard to put a word on it. They, they, Ull's word is feature presentation, so I'll stick with that word. Um, mm-hmm. People interpret it in different ways. The big change this year, from my perspective at least, and from in terms of, I think, what has really affected the, the quality of what's gone on here is an, an open call. So instead of the organizers choosing, like selecting and inviting a lineup, they, they issued an open call back uh, during the summer. Um, they explained what the format of the conference was going to be, what the different areas were that they wanted speakers for and feature, present, feature presenters. Oh, cool. And... It actually, it was an, anonym, an, an anonymous, that's hard to say. <laughs> it was an, an anonymous open call where they they then received every application into, a, I think, a Google Doc or something like that. Okay. Where they, they ignored the name fields. They were, like, blocked out until they, like, read all the, all the pitches. Um, and they made their decisions based on the pitches and the quality of the ideas. That's really cool. That's such a change because I remember the first few years it was like the same the same group of people every year or it wasn't like exactly the same group of presenters but like many of the same faces were there. Yeah. And even at the end at the end of the conference they'd say, "Oh, and blah 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 is going to be here next week or next year too." They've all just committed to 
which was kind of nice in a in a way, but by five years, I think it's definitely good to switch it up. I think this is like this, maybe not necessarily the soonest, but they couldn't have started the conference in this way. Like it would have been hmm. like having the conference be run in this way really relies on Ool having created its own um, its own reputation. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Like when you're you're starting out, you need to like get in like the the biggest name speakers that you can and their reputation will help you drive sales um it's still a, i think like a bold move uh to decide to like let that aside and like to try something as as daring as this i think but it's um having been here for the past few days i think that it really has worked very well um, and especially some of the like the format ideas that I mentioned that they introduced these feature presentations in Kilkenny two and a half years ago. Yeah, I remember. I remember one back in back in Kilkenny, the time machine. Yeah, that was Jennifer Brooks' one. That was a really. I think that was like one of the headline ones for everyone. And maybe we should explain what that was, and that'll give. I think that gives a good overview of what the feature presentation is. Yeah, I think for me that was definitely the highlight of of what was done with the feature presentation format in the first year. Essentially, it was like a guided a visualization exercise mm-hmm. um, where participants were brought into a room, would put on headphones. We sat in like a, a circle away from each other, put on headphones. I think we were in the dark. Um, and it was a visualization exercise with, along the metaphor that you were traveling back in time. I think it was, <laughs> was it back in time or forward in time. I uh, know it was forward. It was forward to like a year or two in the future. Okay. Yes. You were traveling forward in time to the future, and then you'd meet someone. And okay, I don't remember that well. <laughs> you'd meet someone, and they would give you a gift, and you'd like you'd take the gift and put it in your pocket and remember what it was or something. Yeah. Oh, we shouldn't spoil it too much. Actually, we should link to there's a there's a recording of it online. You can do it yourself at home. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Forget everything we just said. Just go and do that. <laughs> But anyway, like you'd all go through this together, like I think eight or 10 people maybe. And then afterwards you'd have a little chat. Um, but it was like a sec- and it kind of an individual thing. It was an individual experience. And then you came together in a, ro- a separate room afterwards. And it was a, a gift, I guess, or that you had brought back from the future. Um, and uh, that was <laughs> materialized in the form of a post-it note. <laughs> uh, and everybody posted their post-it notes on the wall of this room so that that kind of became like that was the collective part at the end of it and you could look at and see what other people had brought back from the future and that kind of thing uh, Jennifer came back to the following Ool as well and did Time Machine 2 that that one definitely involved Journey into the Past which is what confused me initially ah <laughs> uh, okay right that makes sense I've been like all over the time map <laughs> and you did a presentation that year too, last year, right? The second year I did one, yeah, which was in, in a way quite influenced by Jennifer's one. It wasn't necessarily similar to the time machine, but I was definitely influenced by that idea of like going into a room and like arranging an activity that would like help people focus on on themselves in, in a certain kind of like structured way. Hmm. It was the emoji chamber, I call it. It was ba- which again it was kind of like a visualization exercise based around like reflecting on uh, different areas of your career or your working life or your personal life um, and expressing yourself essentially in an emoji and other various characters and like little figurines and stuff that were around the room you constructed this little um, emoji map which 
was a a non-verbal plotting of like your your feelings about your work and life and then afterwards you would discuss it with with other people in the room but I'm sorry I missed that one (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we'll have to do a private showing of the emoji chamber sometime yeah next time we get together in Vancouver or (laughs) or or Ireland somewhere we can uh, I'll I'll, I'll arrange a a private private demonstration we can do it together (laughs) sounds good so um, so that's basically what the feature presentations are and so this year it was all open to anonymous people to apply to do them. Yeah, which I think is what is like really interesting and what really made the format, I think, like super interesting this year was that. So, for example, like Dermot asked me last year if I was interested in, in doing like if I was interested in speaking at all. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I got terrified about speaking on stage and decided, OK, I'll manage to do it. And then he said, no, I think it might, what could work really well is I'd like to see what you could do as a feature presentation. And then I went off and started thinking about that. Mm. Um, whereas this year with the open call, like the format is like out there and it's like, it's not that you choose a speaker and then ask the speaker to like adapt to this format. It's that you advertise, uh, well, for want of a better word, but you publicize what the format is and ask people what ideas do you have what would you do in this format and then you judge those ideas on the mer- like completely on the merits of what people have pitched and and i think the results of what you get from that have have really brought the, that feature format like it's it, it was it's been the best year for feature presentations <laughs> to, to, to summarize <laughs> so it's i guess it's drawing from a much broader pool than like the network of people that they already have talked to yeah, it's definitely you 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 get a, a broader pool of people applying for it. Mm-hmm. And also I think you get a, like a broader a, a range of ideas of what people want to bring to it as well. Because if you're choosing if you're choosing people like that are maybe on the conference circuit or who have spoken before and then asking them to adjust to this format. I mean, there's been great feature presentations in the past as well, but I think I think that that was always like a slightly harder way to like get the best out of the feature presentation format. Yeah, because a lot of speakers have like a good prepared, polished talk that they just want to give at a few conferences. Mm-hmm. So I think trying to impose a weird format on them means like it. Yeah, it might not be what they're expecting, or they might not want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's definitely going to make a difference. So I guess I should probably talk about what some of the <laughs> the features were. Yeah. The the first one that I went into was Sally Shepard's augmenting the senses. Um which was it had two parts and it was basically it was based around like the idea of getting you in the mindset of what it would be like to have some visual impairments. Um hmm. in terms of like what that means for your other senses on like a completely non-technological level and then an, another part which was more like concretely based on like using iPhones with a augmented uh, reality headset that would um, simulate some different um, visual impairments. Oh wow! In that second one, you would use phones and try to complete tasks using the like accessibility features of the phones, but but with like simulated vision for like a bunch of a range of different um, visual impairments. Um, that was super interesting. The the first part of it was based around. Um, painting while um, while blindfolded, like using your other senses. 
Mm. Um, so it was done in teams of two. I was with, uh, I was in a team with the other Oshin Hurley. <laughs> um, there was two separate, there was two tables at each side of the room. Oshin went to one and I went to the other. And so on one side of the room, I would feel some text, like there's a bunch of bowls with like different objects of like really different textures and then markers, paint markers of different colors. And I chose like a bunch of bowls with the texture and colors that I felt like corresponded to like whatever images I got in my mind from like feeling these textures, I would choose colors that went along with them. Hmm. And on the other side of the room, Oshin was uh, smelling a bunch of different uh, smells from glasses <laughs> and choosing colors that went along with the smells. Um, and then we each took the, all these things back to the tables um, and covered in cloth. Um, and then we took turns where we would be blindfolded. First of all, Oshin was blindfolded um, and he would fee- he would have a piece of paper in front of him where he was going to do his painting. Mm-hmm. But instead of being able to choose by colors and being able to see exactly what he was doing, he would like use the textures of the objects in front of him that I had chosen and then say to me, oh, I want that spiky one or I want the soft one mm-hmm. and I, I give him the color that I had chosen that corresponded to that and he would like do his painting in front of him and then the same thing for me I, he, then he would do the same thing for me but with smells and I'd be like okay the one that smells kind of like this or well I actually came up with a I, I, was, <laughs> I, I had a difficult time trying to figure out how I was even going to describe the smells so I ended up like ranking them from strong the, like the one that smelled the strongest to me down to the one that smelled the like the least strong and doing and hmm. trying to do this like radial painting which is very hard when you're blindfolded where I envisioned that like okay the strongest smell was going to be in the middle and then like it was going to like radiate out until like the weakest smell was going to be like around the edges oh right <laughs> in quite it was a bit of a mess in the end but it was good fun <laughs> yeah that wow that's a long way from most conferences I've been to that's pretty cool I was, we were standing outside the room actually just before we went in. There was another group had been in there before us. Um, and somebody, like, because everybody's blindfolded and painting, like, sometimes, like, the paint gets a little bit out of control. And somebody had, like, got red paint all over their hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then somebody was helping them, like, to come out to the bathroom to, like, clean it off. But we were just standing outside the room. <laughs> and someone came out, like, being assisted by somebody else, like, with their hand held up in the air. It would just look like there was, like, blood dripping out off her hand. And we were like, what are they doing in there? <laughs> so w- one thing that came up then during the second part of that exercise, which was the more... Um, software related one so one of the tasks i can't remember what condition it was for but it was where your eyesight would have like a lot of black spots okay so you wouldn't like see everything like everything would kind of be obscured by black spots and to accomplish the task that you had to do one of the suggestions was you should inverse the colors on the screen because then you end up with like a black screen and white content and it gets easier to kind of see the white content instead of when it's the invert of that. Okay. Which that particular setting, I was never really completely sure when you would use that or why people used it. Right. Yeah, me neither. So they were suggesting that for apps with that hadn't like their own night modes in them, that you, you can register and see like when that setting is turned on and like that there, there may be extra things that you can do to like help people in that situation. That's such a cool way to encourage people to 
get into the mindset of using accessibility stuff versus like a, a talk where it's, you know, somebody explaining something and there's an element of just eventually feeling guilty enough to go and fix your app. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this sounds like a lot more fun. Yeah, well, and it's like you're using, like it's like getting you into the situation of actually using the device in a new way, mm. like not just visually. Laura Savino actually did a, well, she spoke at um, Adul this year as well, but when I was at Lairs last year, Laura did a like a, a talk about accessibility as well and where she had like everybody in the room like <laughs> everybody in the room attempting to take selfies using only voiceover. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The voiceover features on the phone for the camera are actually like incredible. There was one of the tasks in this exercise as well was to, with voiceover alone, to try to take a picture from the magazine. There was a magazine in front of you to take a picture from the magazine that had two faces in it. Um, and if you have voiceover on and as you like move your phone around and point the camera at different things, like it, you hear things like, oh, one face, two face, up close, bottom left corner, top left corner, um, out of focus, in focus, like it, like really pretty good, like descriptions of like what's being captured, like in the, in the screen at that time. Wow. That's amazing. I was having a conversation with somebody later on in the night where kind of just a, around like how maybe a lot some developers don't always like appreciate like how important it would is to like do this accessible accessibility work on your app mm-hmm. and sometimes like for example there could be a thing like if say if you were making a camera app you could think well what's the like why make it accessible when like it's a very visual app it's a camera you're going to look, be looking taking photos like you could definitely argue your way out of that for sure yeah, but then you realize that there's so many like other use cases and it's like just because you're blind doesn't mean or not necessarily blind, but just because you can't see the image yourself very clearly doesn't mean that there aren't situations where like you want to take a picture of the person you just had lunch with and send it like, you know, that you're having lunch with mm-hmm. your grandmother, for example, and you want to send it to your sister um, and like you could these, like this voiceover like makes that possible. Mm, yeah. That's pretty cool. There was a siren going in the background there, by the way. That's Kerry for you. I mean, it's basically, this is just like being in Manhattan. (laughs) (laughs) There was this other really fun feature called the Apple Design Studio Escape Room. Um, It was done by Chadwick Severn. Um, Have you ever done an escape room? No. Do you know what what an escape room is? Uh, I could guess, but I'm just going to say no. So essentially you're in a room, you'll get locked into a room as a group and there's like puzzles in the room and you have to figure out, like find your way out of the room by solving a series of puzzles. Okay, right. I mean, I've been aware of the concept. I've started to notice that they're like popping up, like people are crazy about these things. I had never done one before. Um, It was incredibly difficult and incredibly fun. (laughs) Oh, cool. Um, So like the high level concept of it was that Okay, everybody knows that Apple have like their super secret uh, design lab in Cupertino, but it's not so well known that they also have one in in Killarney. Um, <laughs> and we're going to give you like exclusive access to it, like but like just for a few minutes. Um, you're not allowed to tell anybody about the things that you see inside. And you go in, and there's like all these different 
puzzles and objects like that are based on like jokes around like Apple technology. Um, like there was the Apple Extended Keyboard Three, which wasn't it wasn't a QWERTY keyboard; it was an Applerty keyboard that where the <laughs> had been rearranged in a different order, and you had to try to type a sentence like in a, in a limited amount of time you, on this keyboard where the keys were all in the wrong places. Oh, but the computer was the computer was still interpreting it as QWERTY. No, the computer interpreted interpreted it properly, but it's very hard for you to type the quick brown fox jumped over the whatever when the keys are in the wrong places. Oh, okay. And <laughs> you have like 20 seconds. And I know lots of people went in there and just spent like 15 minutes trying to figure out the keyboard. <laughs> we did this thing where we had like five of us in a line um, and it was like, okay, I know where, I know how to type there. I know how to type quick. And we like tried to like stream down along and like type it in as quickly as we could. Um, but we still never even managed to f- finish that one. Um, that's the one that like I got obsessed with that one. Um, but like I was really was completely missing the point in in the sense that there was like so much other stuff going on in the in the room and like different clues that you had to like connect together. And I think it was like the end of the day before some team eventually managed to get out of there. And I think they cheated. Mm. And Mike and Jason Snell, you know, you cheated. <laughs> and others <laughs> um, at the end of the day yesterday um, Chadwick and got up on stage after dinner last night and basically explained to everybody all the steps that were actually involved in getting out of the room um, it was it was so difficult <laughs> but it was a lot of fun in there so there was like another part of it was like a Siri remote control where it was like you were playing Super Mario Brothers but instead of being able to tap A and B to jump you like you had to like shout at the remote control to like say jump 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 and you had to get past the level oh my god there was a like a I think they called it like face lock or something like that where the idea is that it's like a face detection lock on a chest Um but to actually get that to work, there was like a case at the other side of the room where you had to dress up as Steve Jobs <laughs> and then stand in front of the lock and then it would open this thing and there was a hidden key that would open another part. Was there someone like in the background operating it or was this all... Dude, they were standing outside operating the, like the, the different parts of the thing. Okay, yeah. These sound a lot more interactive than even previous ones I saw where there was like... It was still nice that it was a small room, but it was usually one thing just happening. Yeah, it was at a different level, I think. Like Conrad Stoll did um had a had a feature had a room called Take It Outside. Um it, I mean this reminded me of some of the conversations we had last week about like when I left Sarajevo for the weekend and went offline. Mm-hmm. Um and Conrad does a lot of hiking and like years ago he did a lot of stuff in like national parks and with like with the Boy Scouts and stuff in the in the US, like taking groups on like long treks into the mountains and it was kind of about like okay taking time to like be in nature but then also like how you're like your relationship with nat- with technology when you're in nature hmm. and he had done like this whole apple tv app which was like built up from like a bunch of sort of slideshows of like these amazing photos that he had taken uh, videos of some of the different national parks that he'd been to, um, his own stories, like reflecting on a, like a, well a bunch of different things. I'm focusing on like the technology side of things. It wasn't all about technology. A lot of it was even just about like having time in nature and like how that helps you like reflect on your life and your work and all that kind of stuff. Hmm. 
and he had made this like super nice app that I, I I suggested him to submit it to the app store because I just think that's like interesting different type of content to have there like it's kind of like essayistic almost hmm. I think it's like an interesting style of presenting content on like for the Apple TV like obviously there's a huge concentration on video content for the TV since it's a TV and that's what it's traditionally associated with and then you have games um but I think this kind of essay presentation style is like an interesting idea for like what you could sit down and mess around with on your TV and explore. So was he reluctant to submit it because it wasn't like obviously a video or a game? No, I think no, he was he he was consider he was considering it. Um Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I think he was also talked about like that maybe like looking at ways to like open it up to like to let other people like more easily create similar stuff like that and present it in similar ways on a TV in a TV app. Hmm. Um, it was the f- well, except from when I've been in your house, it was the first time that I ever seriously tried to use the Apple TV remote, <laughs> which was the worst part of the <laughs> of the conference. <laughs> I was worried. I was worried that we wouldn't do any Apple Apple criticism in this episode. <laughs> no, yeah, we managed to get in there that remote. Wow. I, so I use it. I use that Apple TV thing every day. The remote, I I like set up the show and press play, and then I put it like as far away from me as possible. Because if it's not as far away from me as possible, I'll accidentally touch it and do something. <laughs> <laughs> One good thing about it, I'll say, is that it keeps the connection to the Apple TV really well. Like I never have connection issues. So there you go. There's a positive thing. So I mean, those three in particular like struck me as really good evolutions of like some of the ideas that had started in previous ools. Mm. Anna Wilson had this really, really different style of a feature presentation, which was essentially like a day long open conversation. So when you went into that room, it was essentially a circle of chairs, like pointing towards each other, as opposed to say the time machine where we each went in to have our individual experiences. This was all about like an open conversation about LGBT uh, experiences in technology, um, like experiences in technology, in working life, um, in using technology, and in like how we can do that, as, how how we can improve the situation here for like as business owners or as designers or as as software developers. Hmm. So that was very intimate. I mean, it's all about direct conversation between other people who are attending the conference. Um, and Anna had like done some had presented some of this content in a more traditional conference environment before where it was she was on stage uh, presenting to a crowd to an audience um, and so she had some of the materials from that to kind of help like kickstart some of the conversations um or if things went silent for a moment, like she had like a lot of material or a lot of like potential directions to take conversations there as a as a security in a sense but she said that like each conversation throughout the day like it, the conversations would start on the hour each hour so I think Anna was in there in there for like eight hours essentially having eight very distinct she said conversations huh. um so like there's something so raw about that like as a as a format like well like when I think about when I did the emoji chamber and it's much more structured in a way like as in like I've I've designed this experience and yeah it's going to be personal to to you how you how you go through that but like there's so much there's so much uh 
on the periphery there, like in terms of maps, in terms of stickers, in terms of objects, in terms of like so much stuff. Like this is, okay, like sit in a room in a circle um, and like, let's talk through this stuff that's important. <laughs> yeah, well, that's pretty cool. And like the fact that the fact that she said it was eight different conversations throughout the day probably means that like that's a success because she left it open enough that the conversation was what people brought to it rather than what she imposed. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, I I spent an hour in there late. It was kind of late in the day when I went in. Um, there was um, this other guy, Max. I can't remember his surname right now, but he makes a writing app called uh, Ulysses, which oh, yeah, yeah. got an a ADA last year. That's, there's an aside. Um, Max um, came back in at the same time as me, and he had been there earlier on in the day, but like he it had just been such an interesting conversation earlier in the day that he wanted to like go back later and see how how the conversation went in or like if it had evolved or if it was a completely different conversation or, and Anna said it was like so so different each time that each, each time that she did it so th that was super interesting hmm, that's cool um, we, tr we talked through like some issues around um, around employment like as your companies expand um, the idea of like of like having a more diverse work workforce and trying not to just have cis white male employees. <laughs> mm -hmm. I remember meeting Anna at one of the, or two of the previous schools that I was at and thinking that like, she works at HGA net. I don't know how to say that, <laughs> um, but it's like a big, I think they network together all of the universities and stuff. They probably do a ton more stuff, but um, she worked in or works on the networking side. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking at the time that it was cool that people outside of the immediate iOS development community were at all. Yeah, that's been really interesting to see over the even more, I think, as 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 Ool has gone on over the years that I mean obviously it's still called Ool, which for our international listeners is Irish for Apple. Um and there's certainly an Apple slant to some of the talks and stuff, but it's it's so much broader. Mm. I remember Dermot said something to me last night about how somebody had said, oh, this is like the first tech conference I've ever come to. Um, and I remember even thinking, it's not even that much of a tech conference. Yeah. <laughs> like, I still do call it a tech conference sometimes. Like I say, oh, yeah, I usually, I go to two tech conferences a year. I go to WWDC and I go to Ool. And then I second guess myself and I'm like, Ool is not really tech. <laughs> I think if you went without reading anything about it and expecting like a computer science-y like programming conference, you could, you probably still have a good time, but you it would not be what you expected. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, for me, I think it's always just been, I mean, it's never been about like coming to like learn code or to learn specific even design practices or whatever. It's more, it's bigger, it's broader than that, I guess. Mm. It's more about like how we approach making things. This conversation ran a little bit long because I was super excited about my time at all. So we're going to cut it up into two parts. Uh, this is the end of part one and we'll be back soon with more. Thank you for listening. During World War II, President Roosevelt signed an executive order to imprison Japanese Americans in concentration camps. American citizens who had done nothing wrong lost their jobs, their businesses, and their freedom. Families were torn apart, and children grew up behind barbed wire fences. Today, Japanese American imprisonment during World War II is considered a stain on the legacy of American history. 
1988, President Reagan paid reparations to innocent Japanese Americans who were wrongly imprisoned and issued a formal apology. When we look back at that history today, it is tempting to wonder, how could this have happened? How could we have been so scared of our neighbors that we locked them up? How did the land of the free get it so wrong? Donald Trump says that when he's president, an armed deportation force will occupy American cities. Trump's deportation task force will investigate innocent people and round them up into concentration camps. Trump says he'll ban all Muslims from entering our country. Donald Trump's plan has once again caused neighbors to fear one another and turned Americans against our own people. This election is a test. Can we learn from the mistakes of our past and reject Trump's cruel, unconstitutional prison camps? Or are we doomed to repeat history? This November, the choice should be easy for all patriotic Americans. We must vote against American concentration camps, and we must vote against Donald Trump. The Nuisance Committee is responsible for the content of this advertising.